Hey there, Hyperfixation Nation. This is the Get Your Fix podcast where we chat all things fandom, good, bad, and ugly with me, your host, Fawn. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Um, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Um, and if you've been with me since the start, uh, welcome back. So I thought I'd uh, kick this episode off with a couple of updates from episodes one and two. Uh, so you might have seen this. I posted about it on Instagram, but Joe Troman is back on tour. He's back from his mental health break, and I am so excited. Um, I mentioned this in my episode about Fall Out Boy, but I usually always seem to end up on his side of the uh, stage for whatever reason. So um I'm really excited to have my concert buddy back and I'll be able to see all four of the guys this summer. Um, and I'm going to be going to sh- two show dates, uh, one in July um, and one in August. Um, and I really can't wait. Um, if So if you're going to be at the Charlotte date or the Camden date, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina or Camden, New Jersey of the So Much for Tour Dust, let me know. I'd love to meet up and say hi. And then my other update is for 17. So it looks like we're going to be getting a Japanese comeback really soon, um, which I'm stoked about. Uh, their Japanese title tracks are usually some of my favorite songs from them. Um, I actually have a tattoo for 24 hour on the top of my wrist. Um, you can also see that on the Get Your Fix podcast Instagram. So that means it does look. It doesn't look like we're going to get a world tour from them this year. So I don't think I'll get to see them in 2023, um, which is fine because I've been to lots of other concerts this year. Um, But I'm keeping my finger on the pulse just in case they do something weird and surprise me um, because you never know these K-pop groups. All right, cool. So let's jump into today's theme. So uh, keeping with the anime theme, I thought it would be really fun to do an appreciation episode for uh, some of the amazing opening tracks that often come out of anime. I mentioned I love music and I really feel like an opener sets the tone for whatever show you're about to watch. Um, There's this meme that has been going around for years uh, that says like, oh, don't pass me the aux cord unless you want to hear 15 anime openers. And that's totally, completely me. I have been um, listening to openers of anime for as long as I can remember downloading my own music. I feel like they're kind of engineered to elicit really strong emotions anyway, like intentionally, right? Like they're setting up a narrative for you um, so that you can receive the story that they're about to tell. Um, And the artists and musicians that um, anime studios often hire to make the openers tap into the like thematic through lines of the show and really pull that through your core when you listen to them. Um, And it's gotten to like, I feel like people kind of joke on it a little bit because it's that... um, That thing I keep talking about where if things are too sincere, people poke at it. Um, But that's, I think, why I love them. And I'll actually, a a lot of the same artists will work on anime openers for different studios because they have the reputation already. Um, And so, you know, you'll see that throughout this episode, some of the same artists will come up. And so I've been adding anime openers to mixtapes and playlists, like I said, like since like middle school, Um, they just always hit for me. And just like anything else, of course, there's going to be openers uh, a lot of anime openers that i'm not a huge fan of especially for some of those like goofier shonens or like really like fluffy slice of lifestyle animes anime is such a broad and diverse media type with like hundreds of genres and so those kinds of uh, genres of anime typically don't catch my attention as easily the ones i'm usually drawn to are like futuristic mechas or like um psychological thriller type animes like lots of dark themes and moral quandaries i can definitely get into a slice of life every now and then um like say i love you um or uh you know those kinds of things where they're they're really like they're still tapping into something primordial primordial about humanity. For me, there needs to just be a little bit of an edge to it for me to like it. And relatedly, those are the openers I tend to like. 
So today's episode, I'm going to be breaking down my top 10 anime openers. Um, And I'm really excited about this one. All right, so let's get into it. Um, So I'm going to be going backwards. So starting with number 10, um, I feel like a lot of people are into um, the Attack on Titan openers. There's so, so much out there about, you know, Attack on Titan um, and uh, people's reactions to all all four seasons openers actually and for attack on titan in particular they have these like part seasons where they'll do one half of a season and then they'll take a break and then they'll do the second half of the season and the second half of the season usually has a different opener but my number 10 my favorite attack on titan opener is from season three um and it's red swan by yoshiki featuring hyde i really really like this one because it's not quite as heavy-handed It's a little bit more melodic than I think some of the other ones. And I feel like that really reflects what goes on in season three. Season three is a lot more about relationships and generational trauma and identity. Um, And season three is actually my favorite season of Attack on Titan. I really like the dynamics between um, Aaron and Zeke and kind of learning some of those stories and histories and things like that. And I feel like Red Swan really captures that um, essence of season three. And I actually read the manga for Attack on Titan. so. I was already caught up before season three came out and I was um, really excited to hear this opening theme because it really, I feel like it captured the vibe of how I felt while I was reading it. All right. So for number nine, uh, I, it's actually from uh, an anime called number six, which is kind of funny that my ninth ranked is from an anime called number six. Uh, But the song is called spell by llama. And I absolutely love this opener. Number six is one of my favorite animes. It's one of the only uh, canonically gay animes between uh, men, which was very important to me. You know, as a as a queer anime watcher, consumer, um, and as a man who loves other men, uh, number six is extremely, extremely important to me. Um, and it's my favorite type of genre. It's that dystopian um, end of the world. There's this uh, stratified system of humanity based on these abilities. Um, and there's actually a canonical transgender man in this show. So it's really, really one of my favorites. And I have to thank my friend Kim for showing it to me. I'd never heard of it. And it's a little bit older. Um, and I actually had never watched it. Um, and we were both uh, super into anime when we worked at this coffee shop together several years ago now. Um, but she showed it to me and I absolutely loved it. And one thing that I have noticed is that if there is a sci-fi fantasy anime with a character named Nizumi, it's going to absolutely slap. Um, At least for me, I'm always going to love it. Uh, They have this like caste-based society and uh, Shion, the main character, houses Nizumi when they're kids and Nizumi has to live outside of the city, which is number six, because he is, you know, degenerate, untouchable. And Xion, uh protects him from the state when they're little. So that's kind of like the, the setup. And what I love about Spell as the opener is that it has this kind of upbeat tempo um, and some like major chord progressions in the beginning. So there is this kind of almost like hopeful vibe underneath, but there's a melancholy quality to the main vocalist. It's like kind of this like high pitched sort of croon um, where um, you you feel like when you're listening to it, 
that something heartbreaking is being told to you through this filter of like upbeat, cheerful music. And I love that juxtaposition. Um, a lot of my favorite songs actually sound like that. Um, one of my favorite K-pop songs of all time is uh, So So by Winner. And So So is about being so totally heartbroken after, after a breakup that you feel absolutely nothing. You're so numb because it's so painful. And when someone asks you how you are, you just say, I'm So So. But the music itself is that like upbeat, like synthy pop music. And so you're kind of, it's creating this dissonance in your, in your brain as you're listening to it. And I feel like Spell is very similar, um, which is really interesting because the, I think the main thematic through line of number six is um, hope in the face of absolute destitution. Um, and uh, it, it might sound kind of horny, but it's kind of like how love is transformative and that you can find love and joy and happiness even in the most fucked up situation. That's kind of like the thesis statement of number six. And Spell really captures that. Um, and her her vocals um, overlaid over the opening, which is like really beautiful, bright, you know, imagery of the sky. And there's like the portrait shots of Xion and Nazumi. Um, and like the ocean and it doesn't really show a lot of like the dystopian crumbling city um, as much in the opener it's really kind of focusing in on those relationships specifically and I just remember uh, listening to that opener and like watching it and just feeling really kind of like almost overwrought like going into the story Um, so it really captures it really really well so number nine is Spell by Llama all right. So number eight is from Boku no Hero Academia. My Hero Academia is the English title. And so I'm actually a, a former fan of this anime. I used to be a huge BNHA fan, especially kind of like in the beginning of COVID in like 2020. I was binging it. I was cosplaying from it. I was all about it, consuming fan art, literally losing my mind, just kind of like I think everybody else was at that time. It was really, really, really popular. But I kind of fell off because um, like most shonens, the main characters are teenagers and it just wasn't interesting or relatable enough to me as an adult man to continue to watch BNHA. I wasn't really interested in the like academy part of it. Um, most of what was interesting to me about BNHA was the the villains arc and specifically overhaul. And so I ha- I kind of fell off, but my friends have all told me that the most recent season is totally worth it to jump back into. So I might. But I was super, super, super into it. And um, back in, like like I said, like mid-2020, summer of 2020, BNHA was like completely had taken over cosplay TikTok, um, which I was a cosplayer on TikTok at that time. And I discovered this uh, opener actually from TikTok. Um, and it is one of the few English tracks I have on here. Um, so most of these openers are by Japanese artists or Korean artists, and they're all in Japanese. Um, but this one is called Heroes, and it's by Nate Wants to Battle. And it's all in English, and it's shorter. It's only, I think it's uh, a minute and 30 seconds long. And I love it so much because it has that pop punk flavor um, that I am always looking for in a track. Um, I will forever be a pop punk emo kid. For the rest of my life, I'm probably going to die an emo adult. This song is so short and it it packs such a big punch in such a short amount of time. I love it so much. It like creates that swell in my stomach the way that a lot of pop punk songs do. 
Um, and it's the, the lyrics, you know, I, I find sometimes that when, um, non-English songs get translated into English, the lyrics can be a little bit lost or like even a little bit cringe. Like this happens with K-pop songs a lot where the English translation, you're like, oh, this is, this song is actually so corny, but this actually doesn't have that effect. Um, it is so good. And I feel like. Um, My Hero Academia is kind of, it's about like a bunch of kids who are going to school to become superheroes, right? Like that's like the very, very distilled watered down plot summary. And they're like raised in this society to become heroes. And this song, I feel like really captures the essence of teenage angst um, that we all have. Um, But especially these like kids with special powers, they're like totally weird, separate from society. They have this huge burden on them to become heroes one day. And they have this huge pressure on them not to become villains. And I feel like it's perfectly set up for a absolute pop punk banger. And Nate Wants to Battle absolutely kills it. Um, it has the the like sharp crescendos, um, the really, really intense guitar in the background. Um, and so I I have listened to this song just like raw regular on a playlist i've added it to like my pop punk playlist circulation that i do sometimes especially when i go on road trips it's a total headbanger um it kind of reminds me of uh, forever the sickest kids is um what i would kind of say nate wants the battles sound is most similar to and i i love the ost uh videos that are that are overlaid to it but a ton of cosplay debut videos were actually made to this track uh, and I did one too when I did uh, Tokoyami, which was really, really fun. Um, and so uh, when I hear it, it just kind of reminds me of that era of my life. And um, I remember it fondly. So number eight is Heroes by Nate Wants to Battle from Boku no Hero Academia. All right. So for number seven, appropriately, is Wish Voyage by Idolish Seven from Idolish Seven. Um, seven, seven, sevens all across the board. Um, so Idolish 7 is an outlier anime for me, actually. Um, it is a kind of slice of life sort of anime. It's it's like set, set in a regular world, just like regular normal world. And so Idolish 7 is about a uh, Japanese pop group trying to debut and make it big. It's all about idols, um, uh, boy groups specifically. And so Idolish 7 is a group of seven boys, um, and it kind of follows them in their pre-debut while they're training um, and trying to get them to a place of international stardom. And the main character is actually their manager, who um, it's, I think it's technically considered a reverse harem because their manager is a woman and she's surrounded by gorgeous male idols 24-7. Um, and so they're at a smaller company, um, their manager's dad owns the company. Um, and so she, you know, it's, it's a family business. It's really small. There's only three staff members and these seven guys have to come together to be the greatest idol group of all time. And there's, you know, rivalries with other idol groups. Um, one of the members of Idolish Seven, um, his brother is in a rival group called Trigger and they're like estranged twins. Um, so it's really good. It's really fun. You know, as a K-pop fan, um, I, I really got a kick out of this anime, um, because it is really similar, even though it's the, the Japanese pop music scene. So it's not exactly the same as the Korean music scene, of course, 
There is a lot of overlap in the markets um, and across the industry. You know, there's a lot of uh, Japanese idols who are in Korean groups. A lot of Korean groups promote in Japan. Um, J-pop and J-rock is very popular internationally. Uh, I mentioned this in the 17 episode, but I actually got into J-pop and J-rock first um, when I was like in fifth and sixth grade. So I was actually familiar with that industry first. And so it was kind of like this perfect marriage of my interests. And I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's it's really fun because you can have a bias uh, in these like anime J-pop groups. Um, and I think actually the anime was created from a video game where uh, you, it's like a rhythm game where you uh, debut the idols and stuff. So um, it's like, has that interactive element that people were already invested in. And uh, my favorite song from Idolish 7 is actually not the opener. It's by Trigger. But I wanted to include this opener because um, Wish Voyage is kind of that quintessential J-pop song. Um, and the the opening uh, sequence is kind of basically a J-pop music video. Um, and so if you're into Vocaloids at all, like, uh, into like Hatsune Miku or like that arena of Vocaloids, this is kind of similar, but they're, they're boys, right? Which works for me because I am more interested in boys. So it shows like the snapshots of each of the idols. You can kind of see each of their roles in the group, their themes, their personalities, they're doing choreography. Um, and animated choreography is, I think, really hard to get right. And Wish Voyage really nails it. Um, and it just... You're like, you're already a fan of Idolish 7 once you've watched the opener. Um, watching Wish Voyage, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so invested in these guys. This music video is amazing. Um, I really want them to win. Uh, I want them to do well. And so you're kind of bought into their their struggle as a new group. Um, and you feel connected to them already, right? So Wish Voyage is number seven by Idolish 7 from Idolish 7. Okay, so number six is from Yashahime Princess. Um, and Yashahime Princess is the sequel series to Inuyasha. Um, I am a lifelong diehard Inuyasha fan. Um, and I was a little bit nervous, actually, when uh, it was announced that they were going to be doing a sequel series um, about their children. But I ended up absolutely loving it. So Yashahime Princess is about Inuyasha and Seshomaru's daughters. Um, and so they are, uh, Inuyasha's daughter is a quarter demon, and then Seshomaru's daughters are um, fraternal twins, and they're half demons. Um, and it's so good. Um, and I just, I feel like the writing was incredible. It was like this next generation uh, story, and it's still about the original characters, but it's kind of like, it's about family, and it's about um, trauma, and it's about expectations and roles um and like kind of building new bonds um which is really cool and so the song the opener is called new era by six tones um which is perfectly apt right it's a new era uh and uh i feel like the writers for yashihime princess were they had to have been fans of the original anime um, you know how when you're watching something and it's a continuation and you just know that the people that made it really loved the original property? Um, that's how I feel about Yashahime Princess. Um, it's kind of similar to like John Favre and uh, The Mandalorian, like the Boba Fett series. You can tell that John Favre is a Star Wars fan because there's so much love and heart in those shows. Um, and that's how I feel about Yashahime Princess. It's not overwrought. It's not campy. 
Um, the story actually makes sense. The character development is there. And New Era by Six Tones captures all of that so perfectly because the original Inuyasha theme is kind of that um, are more uh, old school, like late 90s, early 2000s, like crooning ballad type. And New Era is a, um, it's like a hip hop song with some like pop punk undertones. So uh, kind of similar to like, you listen to like Black Bear or Andy, Andy Dior. Um, that's what it reminds me of. And it is so, so fucking cool. Um, the, the girls are like interacting in the opening sequence together. They're, they're learning to fight together. Um, and they're, you can kind of like, you can really see their personalities and dynamics come through, but even the animation style has been really modernized. Um, and you can see that kind of in the, in the modern world where Kagome is originally from time has continued to move forward and it really shows and they build those elements into the show. Um, so there's like smartphones and stuff like that. Um, the, even like the design of the bicycles and the school uniform. So all moved forward. So there's all these little attention to detail of the, the time having passed. Um, and I feel like new era really captures that progression of time and the way that we, we pass on things to the next generation. So there are things that are similar, but there are a lot of things that have changed too. And it's really fast um, and upbeat with, but kind of with that like urgency that a lot of anime openers have where, you know, they're sprinting, like we have to go, we have things to do, we have things to accomplish, we have uh, a legacy to build. And there's this like really soft whispery part where he goes, welcome to new era. And then it bursts into this like really fast guitar and synth. And it just like, it like hypes me up. Like it is a hype song for me. Um, I love it so much and I can listen to it literally at any time, but it is especially great to listen to first thing in the morning um, because I'm like, okay, maybe it's my time for my own new era. And it it really like, I feel like the reason that it's ranked so high, um, it's ranked number six is because it really makes me feel something very deeply. Um, and you'll kind of see that um, in the rest of this, this tier list, like the rest of these songs are all things that really deeply move me. And this is where that like feeling deeply moved really starts. So New Era by Six Tones from Yashihime Princess. All right. So we're getting into the second half, the, the top half of my uh, favorite top 10 anime openers. So number five is from Assassination Classroom Season 3. Um, so Assassination Classroom is such a sleeper anime, I feel like. And it's really subversive because on the tin, it seems like it's really silly, right? So uh, it's about this alien who falls to earth from the moon and the Japanese government um, tries to kill him and they can't. He's like unkillable. He's indestructible. And he makes a deal with the Japanese government that if he is allowed to teach at a delinquent school for a year, he will be able to train these kids to kill him. And so at the end of his uh, teaching year, the the students have to kill him. Um, and so it seems really silly, right? Assassination classroom, he's training them to be assassins. But it's actually one of the most touching, moving, tear-jerking animes I have ever watched in my life. Because these kids are like rejects, right? They're kids who are bad in school. They have behavior problems. Um, the society thinks they're going nowhere their parents don't fucking like them and they really form this like really sweet beautiful bond with this alien um and he 
uh, teaches them to love themselves and to be confident in themselves and care about themselves and each other and to learn, um, you know, confidence and self-worth by training them to be assassins. Um, So it is kind of funny, but it's also, it's really easy to take seriously. And the opener that I like the best from Assassination Classroom, um, like I said, is from season three. And the title of the song is Question, and it's by Nen Igomi Utanan. And uh, the group is not like an actual group. It's actually the, the voice actors of three of the main characters. But I love this song Question because actually kind of um, similar to Spell, like I mentioned from number six, it's this like really upbeat, fun uh musically like upbeat and fun it has like the the major chord progressions but then in the chorus there are these dissonant tones and dissonant chords that come through and the lyrics are all about like it says in the title questions like so what are the questions we should be asking um how do we answer those questions and what are we really talking about here and by the time you get to season three in assassination classroom that's really what the the vibe is at this point in the show. You feel like you have a lot more questions than you do answers, kind of about all of them, but especially about um, Oto Sensei. So like, you're like, who is this guy? Where is he from? Why is he so good with kids? This is all kind of weird. And so you're really starting to kind of unravel the narrative by season three. And the ending part, like the hook part of the chorus in question, has these really long drawn out tones that again, like really pull something from my core emotionally. And it like tugs on something within me that really makes me feel not only connected to the characters, but also to myself. It's like, like if, if you're a 17 fan and you know, that clip of Wanu sprinting through the night in the bittersweet music video, that's how the hook of this song makes me feel. Um, and, uh, kind of actually like New Era by Six Tones, it's kind of, it really gets me going. And so it's one of those songs I love to listen to first thing in the morning to motivate me and to, you know, make me feel like, okay, let's take on the day. Um, which is exactly what Ocho Sensei does for the kids in Assassination Classroom. Um, he motivates them to take on, on the day and to take on life and to, you know, believe that they're able to be successful and progress in society. And so I think Question really captures that. So number five is Question by Three Nen Ugumi Utanam. All right, so getting into number four. So my top four were so hard to parse. I'll be honest with y'all. Um, all four of these songs, I think, are some of the best anime openers of all time. And so it actually kind of hurts me a little bit that this next song is so far down. Um, but just know that one through four are like a hair's breadth apart. Um, so number four is actually from my favorite anime of all time, which is Aldnoa Zero. Um, Aldnoa Zero is far and away my favorite anime I have ever watched. It is on my rewatch list. I watch it every single time. I probably do. It's It'll get its whole own episode one day because it is just so perfectly written. Um, it has everything that I want in an anime. It has mecha, like... Uh, operable suits. It has uh, romance, love triangle. It has uh, intergalactic war. It has uh, betrayal, but it also has that uh, quintessential 
character that is a part of the enemy and then has this kind of moment of clarity of doing the right thing. And it also has my favorite character of all time, which is an antihero. Slain Troyard from Al Noah Zero is my favorite anime character ever. He is an antihero where he is inherently so, so good and wonderful and is pushed to the brink, which turns him into the main antagonist. But it's out of necessity and survival, and he is he is pushed to that place, which is my favorite type of character of all time. But I won't get too much into Eld Noah Zero because I do want to do its own episode someday so I can get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, so let's talk about the opener. So the opener is called Allies by uh, Sawano Hiroyuki. Um, and Allies is one of the best anime openers of all time, um, particularly because of uh, not only the musical composition, but the lyrics as well. So like I said, Al Noah Zero is uh, about intergalactic war. Um, it's a fight between the Terrans, which are people on Earth, and Martians, which are a group of elites, noble elites who have colonized Mars. And they're at war with each other because Mars, shockingly, is inhospitable. And so Mars is trying to take Earth back, um, and the Terrans are saying, no way. We've formed our own life here. We do not serve our motion o- Martian overlords. We will defend Earth. For the people. Um, so it's kind of this like working class proletariat versus the bourgeoisie as well, um, which I absolutely love. And Allies captures all of these elements so freaking well. There's this really intense, like uh, synthesized piano in the background, which we haven't really heard so far yet on the tier list. So um, there's this uh, synthesized piano, like I said, which kind of captures that futuristic essence a little bit. Um, it really gives it that, that t- dystopian sci-fi feel. Um, but it has really, it's in a minor chord. And so it it feels really dissonant and challenging when you hear it. And the song lyrics, it's an anti-war anthem, basically. Um, And it's about the plight of being forced to be at war when all you want is to live a peaceful and beautiful life. And it's about how the elite's orchestrate conflict for their own gain. It's like one of the most powerful anti-war, anti-capitalist anthems ever. And I love it so, so much. And I especially love it because it's in Japanese. So it's a bit subversive in that way because uh, Japan was an imperial power. Japan was a colonizer of a lot of different Asian countries and indigenous communities, especially in Okinawa. So for an anti-war, anti-colonial anthem to be in Japanese, I just feel like that's sending such a powerful message and it really comes through in every episode like I never skip this intro because it just it just like fills me up with so much like passion and rigor for what is right and what we all should be called to do and the anime just never lets up the whole time so um it's not a light watch but it's totally worth it because it really it hits you with morality, integrity, political conflict, and then also just interpersonal strife of like wanting so desperately to be loved, not just by, you know, not just romantically, but by family. Um, it's, it's so good. It's so, so good. So uh, the reason that it's not ranked first is because it is a heavy listen. So Eliza's is like, it's really powerful, but it's not a song that I can just sit and listen to. Um, so that's why it is fourth. So Allies by Sawano Hiroyuki from Al Noah Zero.
All right. So number three is from Darling in the Franks, um, which is one of my other favorite animes, as you might imagine. Um, it is another mecca, but it is about um, sexuality, which I think is a really interesting take on um, kind of like post-dystopian mecca sci-fi. Um, it's about this group of teenagers who are an uh, experiment in this society. So in the Darling in the Frank society, people are stripped of their individuality, of their gender, of their sexuality. Um, and they're kind of living in this singular society where everyone is exactly the same. Um, and the Darling in the Franks kids are this experiment to see what happens if you let teenagers come into puberty without any intervention to depersonalize them. So it's really interesting. Their mechas are the only ones that are customized. They all have custom designs. Um, they form their own relationships. It's it's really, really beautiful. It's one of my favorite things. And it also has uh, one of the world's most favorite waifus, Zero Two. Um, and I know you've seen her, even if you uh, don't think that you've seen her if you are in any anime spaces you have. She has the pink hair with the red horns and the teal eyes with the red eyeliner. Everyone loves her. And so the song, the opening song from Darling in the Franks is called Kiss of Death. And it's by uh, Mika Nakashima featuring Hyde. So there's Hyde again. Uh, Hyde was on the Red Swan, uh, which was the Attack on Titan season three opener. So Kiss of Death is one of those songs that I can literally listen to on repeat over and over and over again. I love this song. It's ranked so high for me because my one of my favorite types of songs, um, just in general, not even for anime openers, but just the types of songs that I choose to listen to are what's called an anti-drop or a false chorus. Um, I have a whole playlist just of anti-drops and false choruses. So what that is, is um, where you're, you're building like the, the verse or the pre-chorus is building, it's building, it's building, it's swelling, you know, the, it's getting louder, the chords are progressing, it's getting faster. You're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it, and then the drop doesn't happen. It's usually like pretty bass forward. Um, like all of the, the synth guitar, you know, piano, any of those like uh, auxiliary instruments in the background kind of drop and it's just this like really quiet low like bass and vocals only a lot of the time and it like gives me chills all the way through my body I love an anti-drop um 24 hour that I mentioned at the start of this episode by 17 is an anti-drop and that's why um that's one of the many reasons why that's one of my favorite 17 songs of all time spider by Hoshi is another example it's an anti-drop where you're like building and then the chorus is just this like low, slow, quiet, and Kiss of Death is the same way, but it's actually um, a, uh, a fake out. So it's like a false drop instead of an anti-drop, it's a false chorus. So it swells and swells and swells, and then it gets quiet. And it's this like low uh, melodic pre-chorus. And then it explodes into this really intense actual chorus. Like the hook is like, like you, you feel like you're doing a magical girl transformation while you're listening to it. You're like rotating through space. It's so good. And what I love about Darling in the Franks is that it really is about relationships and romantic connections, which I love a good romance. And the, the main characters, like the whole driving agent of the whole plot is that the main characters are in love and they're not allowed to be. It's very Romeo and Juliet. I love it. And Kiss of Death really the song Kiss of Death captures that 
over, like that, just that pining, that yearning that you feel when you're a teenager and you have a crush or you're in love with someone, um, and you can't be with them. Um, also overlaid with that, like dystopian background that's happening of the enormous burden that they're all carrying to, um, fight these monsters that are ruining the world. So Kiss of Death by Mika Nakashima featuring Hyde from Darling in the Franks is my third favorite opener. All right, so number two is from Yuri on Ice. And so if you're not familiar with Yuri on Ice, it is a must watch, I think. And I am saying this as someone who is not a sports anime watcher. I do not like sports anime. I tried to watch Free. I tried to watch Haikyuu. They are not for me, but Yuri on Ice is, it's transcendent. So Yuri on Ice is about two Olympic figure skaters. One of them is the gold medalist every year. His name is Victor. And he takes a season off to coach an up and coming Olympian named Yuri. And that's kind of like the the premise, but it is a gay love story. And it's a canonically gay love story between these two incredible athletes who are striving for greatness on the global scale, but it's about them falling in love and um, their love is driven by how much they both care about and have worked so hard all their lives to be Olympic level figure skaters. Um, and I cried like a baby the first time I I watched it all the way through. I, I actually saw it for the first time in theaters. They were doing a a special screening at a local theater near me where they screened the whole entire season. Um, and it was like hours long and I was just crying in public. And, um, I think that's part of why this opener is ranked so high for me is that the first time I heard it was on a cinematic screen in a movie theater with surround sound. And I like felt it in my blood cells. The song is called born to make history by Dean Fujioka. And, um, it's actually in English originally. And so it's a Japanese singer, but the song is in English. And um, it starts with this kind of classical music feel with um, the violins. And I can picture the conductor, actually. And it, it kind of it gets you immersed in this figure skating mindset right away, right? Where you're like, okay, this is totally something that you can imagine being played like as part of a ballet or as a figure skater. And it slowly crescendos little by little as the song goes on um and the lyrics of born to make history are i think uh, have a double meaning and i'm actually going to read parts of the lyrics just this one section of the pre-chorus leading into the chorus because i think it really um it really does capture what the show is about so uh, the lyrics are where your destiny lies dancing on the blades you set my heart on fire don't stop us now. The moment of truth. We were born to make history. And Yuri on Ice did make history in the anime world because um, in a lot of media, this is not specific to anime, but in a lot of media that tries to tell a, a gay or a queer story, it's either over-sexualized or fetishized or kind of like watered down for, for a cis audience um, and a, a cis straight audience. Um, and I think there's a tiny bit of that with Yuri on Ice, but it is... The best example that I've seen in anime, um, besides number six, which I mentioned earlier, number six does a really good job of this as well. But number six is about 
uh, teenagers, right? And so Yuri on Ice for me, I think hit really hard because they're adults and they're exploring this queer relationship as adults and what it means to be men in love with this very high pressure job. Um, and so they were, you know, Yuri on Ice as, as an anime um, made history. And then Yuri and Victor were also both born to make history. So Victor was Yuri's idol. Um, he was the figure skater that inspired Yuri to become a professional figure skater. And he's kind of following in his footsteps, but also beating his records and exceeding him. Um, and so it's about that like passing of the baton, but also being an openly gay couple when one is from Japan and one is from Russia, both of which are pretty hostile countries to queer and trans people. Um, and so, you know, myself, like being raised in uh, an Asian cultural environment. Um, it's not easy to be queer in these uh, culturally conservative environments. And especially, you know, I, uh, I live in the US where um, we're kind of fighting this fight all the time. But there are other countries that are really, really struggling um, even more than, than we are in the States for, for queer liberation. Um, and two of those countries are Russia and Japan. And so um, for them to say, you know, we are in love and in the show, they have a public declaration of love in front of their fellow competitors in figure skating. And I just feel like it has had such enormous cultural impact on queer people everywhere. And um, it's not sexualized. It's not overly sexualized. There are some sexual elements because being a queer adult often means that you're sexually attracted to your partner, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. Um, but it's not overly sexualized and it's not, that's not the point, right? It's not fetishizing and objectifying. Um, and so whenever I hear this song, I almost every time I listen to it burst into tears um, because it swells from, like I said, this kind of low, da, 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 like classical music vibe into this, big explosive synth pop hook at the very end and I just you know I feel like I'm on my knees having just competed in Olympic figure skating and I'm crying because I just won the gold medal even though I've never I'm actually terrified of figure skating it's one of my biggest fears um but it's so immersive and it's just so impactful and I feel like history maker is just uh born to make history also history maker it's like both of those titles um, by Dean Fujioka is like a queer male anthem and it just really resonates with me. So number two is from Yuri on Ice, Born to Make History slash History Maker by Dean Fujioka. All right. So before I tell you my number one pick, uh, my all-time favorite anime opener, I'm going to do uh, some honorable mentions real quick. Um, just because uh, it is a top 10 list, but these honorable mentions didn't really fit um, with the rest of these openers. Um, and they're, I wouldn't say, uh, in my top 10, but they are deeply impactful nonetheless. Honorable mention number one is from Pokemon the Movie 2000. So this was, uh, the second Pokemon movie I ever saw. I've had my finger on the pulse for Pokemon movies forever and ever. Um, and so this is the one with Lugia and, uh, the three legendary birds. And the song is called Power of One, written by uh, Mervyn Warren, but it's performed by Donna Summer, which I just think is so fucking cool of her. Uh, Donna Summer is a disco legend. I grew up listening to her in my dad's car. Um, she is just, you know, 
one of the greats, one of the greatest greats of greats of greats. And the fact that she did a Pokemon movie, that is so fucking cool. Um, and her voice is perfect for this song. It's like the power of one, which I just like remember being like 12 and listening to that and being like, yes, the power of one, I can do anything. Um, and I actually didn't even realize that this was by Donna Summer until I was an adult. But obviously it's in English. Um, the Pokemon the movie 2000 was uh, released released for English audiences. Um, and I, I just love that someone of her caliber as an artist did a Pokemon movie soundtrack. Like, that is so cool of her. So honorable mention number one is The Power of One, performed by Donna Summer, written by Marvin Warren. And honorable mention number two is from Yu-Gi-Oh! The Movie. So last episode was about Yu-Gi-Oh! I touched on this briefly, but the Yu-Gi-Oh! The Movie soundtrack is one of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time in terms of early 2000s uh, of capturing the the moment in time that was the early 2000s. Like if you listen to that soundtrack, you will be taken all the way back to the fashion, the, the TV, like everything. It is such a time capsule. And the opening theme is uh, One Card Short by Jay Bat. And it's this like angsty rock anthem. Um, and it's about like being only one card short towards victory and like doing the best that you can. It's very shonen. It's very Yu-Gi-Oh. And I actually bought that CD, like the actual CD and played it in my CD player in my room. And I would like dance around my room to One Card Short with my dual disc on. And so I have really fond memories of this soundtrack. I wouldn't say it's like the most uh, musically complex soundtrack. It's it's pretty straightforward. Like what you see is what you get with it. It's it's really it is a, a soundtrack made for young boys who are into anime. Um, but I absolutely love it. It's so nostalgic, and um, I still listen to One Card Short sometimes when I need to be in a good mood. Um, so honorable mention number two is from Yu Gi Oh the movie One Card Short by J Bat. All right, so the big reveal, my number one favorite anime opener of all time, and this is a little bit predictable, and I think a lot of people have this answer, but it is Gorenge from Demon Slayer, but specifically the cover of Gorenge by N-Flying. So no disrespect to Queen Lisa, she, uh, it was originally performed by Lisa, um, and it is, you know, I think one of the most iconic anime openers and sometimes things are iconic for a reason. And sometimes we honor that, right? So, um, a lot of people have said that the Demon Slayer theme is one of the greatest themes of all time. And I have to agree, but the cover by N Flying brings me to tears instantly. Like the second that I hear the opening note, it like just, it like pulls me under and it's one of um, the few anime openers that I think you can actually really listen to just as a song at any point in time. Um, it's like, it's got that classic J-Rock feel. Um, and I love N-Flying anyway. Um, they're one of my favorite K-Rock groups. They have a song called Moonshot that I listen to probably every day. And so I just love the the richness of their voices and, and their, their vocal range fits this song so well. Particularly Sunkyub's like, absolutely insane range like he can hit the whistle tones and he can go straight from a like a belt to a whistle tone back down to like the deepest baritone you've ever heard like he is one of the greatest vocalists of all time I think 
And I'm actually not even a big fan of Demon Slayer. Like, I watched the first season. It's kind of boring to me. I'm, I'm not, like, huge into, um, like, that. again, like, the Chosen One protagonist. Like, his whole family got killed. He's seeking revenge, whatever. It's kind of the same reason that I fell off of BNHA, um, My Hero Academia. But Gorenge, the song, is just totally unmatched. I, I love that song and specifically that cover. Um, I could listen to it probably every day for the rest of the time and not get sick of it. And it does have those like traditional shonen themes of like, I've got to be strong. Um, thank you for giving me a reason. This world can beat me down, but I'll always go into the light. Um, and I do think there's something to be said about those um, endlessly encouraging themes in shonen. And so I do love that. I feel like there's just this this like gritty edge to the end flying cover of Game. So those are my top 10 favorite anime openers of all time. Um, I have lots of other other openers that I've enjoyed over the years. So, you know, this isn't a comprehensive list of every anime opener I've ever loved. Um, but, you know, I tried to uh, really, I really spent some time thinking about like, what are the top 10 openers that really, really hit for me? no matter what. So this is my list. Um, I've also, I've linked a YouTube playlist um, in the description of the episode if you'd like to listen to these in order and see how they rank for you. And I'd love to hear some of your favorite anime openers. So if there's one that I haven't listed here um, that you really think deserves to be in the top 10, let me know. Drop me some recommendations. And, you know, I'm not above watching an anime if I like the opener. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you like the show, uh, I'd love if you left me a review on whatever platform you're listening to right now. Um, it really helps people discover the show. Um, and I also just want to hear what you think so far. You can also subscribe and turn on automatic downloads. I'm at Get Your Fix Pod on all platforms if you want to come along with me on socials. Um, I'm primarily on Instagram, but I also have a Twitter. I also upload episodes uh, on YouTube. If there's a property you want me to chat about or you have more to add about one that I've already covered, you can also send me an email at getyourfixpod at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to grow Get Your Fix into a community of fans from all over. Um, that's definitely the goal long term. So come chat, come hang out with me. Um, and that's it for this episode. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and I'll see you in the next one for our next hyper conversation.